Hi, uh, welcome to the New Voting Projects. My name is Kanol, and uh, today we are here with Katya Arisman. See, I pronounced it right this time, see? Uh, Thank you, yeah. A little behind the scenes, by the way. Uh, but anyway, she is a statewide organizer for Common Cause uh, for Texas, a former assistant director of youth programs at the Civic Center, uh, former chair uh, of the student board at the Campus Vote Project, and has, of course, a plethora of political experiences because you wouldn't be allowed to be on the show if you didn't know. No, I'm just <laughs> uh, And you're also a graduate of UT Austin. Uh, and you're currently based in Texas, which is fantastic, not for you, but for this show. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time to come out. Um, and, yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Of course. All right. So let's get into these questions. Uh, first of all, you know, talk a little bit about your background, kind of what you've done in these other roles, and touch on your college experience at UT Austin. Has it prepared you for taking on, you know, democratic assaults and, and threats to democracy, really? Yeah, I don't think anything could prepare me for the breadth of attacks on our democracy that we've, right. we've kind of seen in the past few months here. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I grew up a, a very low income single parent. Um, affording college was always a question for me. So I think that that kind of inaccessibility really posed for me to um, fall into this fight for voting rights in a really easy way, because um, I, I mean, I wasn't registered to vote when I got to college. I wasn't even thinking about politics other than kind of the personal experiences I had with policy and like how it kind of failed a lot of my community. And, and so with that, I, I fell into voting rights and someone asked me to register to vote for the first time. And it was confusing um, as to feel like a lot of college students kind of experience that um, when they get to college or, or when they kind of come up against our democracy for the very first time. Um, and then once I kind of realized that there are so many policies and laws around uh, accessing our right to vote that made it so difficult, um, I, I kind of kept seeing problems that I wanted to fix. Um, and so then I, I got involved in local civil rights groups and interning there. So then it came into jobs and, and working for campaigns that were doing um, progressive organizing or electoral uh, reforms for our election systems. And so um, I just kind of could always find things that I wanted to improve about the way that our democracy existed, especially in Texas. And UT had classes that allowed for me to learn about those things or take internships in, in the Capitol. And um, then I just, I kept working towards, towards trying to solve that problem. And unfortunately I couldn't solve it in my four years at UT. So uh, as, as people yeah. have been fighting much longer than I have for this. And so uh, I, I now find myself still working full time on, on the fight for democracy here. Well, well, no, we'll give you another four years and then we'll do another episode and see how far <laughs> you get. Uh, I hope so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, that's great. You know, having been a campaigner myself, I understand going from one thing to another. It just feels like, you know, one rope and somebody's pulling on it at the other end. So, so no, I'm, I'm very, I thank you and commend you for, for the work that you've done. Uh, but I want to ask, out of all the facets You've obviously worked in legislative spaces. You've done a little bit of advocacy work, um, and and you've also entered the space of voting rights. But why why enter why enter activism and community organizing in the first place? Why did you feel this was your 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 beckoning call? Yeah, really, really good question. Um, so I think a lot of it came from working with people. Like I mentioned, um, I. Uh, was someone that was kind of affected by policy, but didn't understand the policies that were affecting my daily life. And, and that 
didn't really sit right to me as I was a freshman or sophomore taking a lot of these intro to government, Texas government classes. And um, the more I learned about it, the more I was frustrated with the kind of systemic uh, disenfranchisement that we experienced, not only as a young person, not being given access to my right to vote prior to someone happened to be volunteering and, and making that kind of relational approach to me to bring me into the space. But um, that that a lot of my my classes earlier in my life and, and, and the spaces that I was in for public schools or um, community centers and stuff like that, like they didn't teach me these things. And it, it seemed like that was kind of a failure of the state and of the institutions that I was in to, to bring that to people. And, and the way I brought, got brought into the space was through organizers that happened to be organizing my college campus when I was a freshman, my fall semester, um, that brought me into this kind of uh, issue that I, I did not realize existed, but still affected me so deeply. And so I think I realized the power of, of uh, grassroots organizing, of peer-to-peer of -peer organizing, relational work, because that was what drew me in and, and what gave me my first taste of it. And, and I think with that, when I realized that there was so much power there in my own personal life, I just kind of um, fell into wanting to kind of practice that form of, of grassroots organizing professionally. Um, and, and I feel like it's one of the best ways that we can build power, especially in a state that doesn't like giving it away uh, legislatively right. or through policy. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I didn't, I went for it. You know, nobody really recruited me. I was too young when I done this, but uh, no, I'm, I'm very surprised to hear that you weren't registered to vote. Knowing your track record, I would assume you're pre-registered. Like I'm pre-registered, you know, most of my peers because I torment them about it are now pre-registered, but damn, that's, that's tough. Um, and so in return, I guess this is this is this is kind of your 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 penance because you weren't, you weren't registered to vote. So you just gotta dedicate your whole life to saving Texas and the United I mean, we don't have <laughs> Yeah. I mean we don't have pre-registration here. We have like 17 and 10 months rules in Texas, which I don't I mean I personally don't celebrate my 17th and 10 month birthday and, and I don't know any other kids that do. I um, start doing that actually. You should, yeah. Um, but the failure was that our schools in Texas, there is a law, one of the only pro-voter laws on the books here, says that schools are supposed to provide high school voter registration to students that are eligible twice a year. Um, and I didn't realize that and I graduated high school, I did not get offered to register to vote. And then when I got to college and, and I registered and I was like, oh, this should have been done earlier. And then I realized that there was actually a law that said like, yeah, my school was supposed to do this for me, but they didn't. And, and that, that was just very frustrating that I was shafted that opportunity despite them supposed to be compliant with it. And it only was because of this volunteer that I was given the opportunity to register to vote. I, I think that I think maybe tapped into the the kind of anger, urgency, like uh, there's a lot of the kind of emotions that come with um, recognizing disenfranchisement when, whenever you hadn't seen it before. And, and I think that's part of the frustration with organizing in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> I think you're going to need some of it. Uh, now, now tell me about your work. You, you were at Campus Vote Project. I've had a couple of their fellows on, I think. Um, you've also worked with civic, uh, Civic Center, yes, mm -hmm. uh, to, to talk about those experiences, how they were, you're in the voting rights space, and now talk about what you're doing with Common Cause. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, like I mentioned, I, I realized there are these kind of laws that were in Texas, and I, I actually first got involved at the Texas Civil Rights Project as an intern there about some of the like kind of legal research in our election and disenfranchisement, and and that kind of led me to get into the more policy side of organizing um, because I don't think it just has to be like registering peers. It could also be providing know your rights type of education and, and advocating around policies and, and getting good policies passed or bad policies. And I think now at my job at Common Cause, it is kind of doing that um, intersectional work of not only building power, bringing educational opportunities to communities that might not know about voter disenfranchisement or the kind of breadth of, of discrimination we have in our laws here, but also working to organize against some of those bad laws or uplift good laws in local jurisdictions. And so I wouldn't have been able to get to this job and, and to have this kind of experience without being at Campus Vote Project or the Civic Center. Um, Campus Vote Project especially was is one of the first kind of leadership opportunities I, I found my senior year of college when I um, became chair of their student advisory board. And I think that great, gave a lot of really cool mentorship with getting to, to meet a lot of the kind of directors of, of these national nonprofits that do youth voting work and in seeing kind of how the decisions are made to of what event to do and, and how to like construct these kind of trainings and and how to kind of bring the like 3000 foot view of voter suppression and these big policy issues to individual schools or to individual communities. And that was really interesting to see. And so I think uh, getting that and, and being there and being in that space and then being able to kind of lead uh, the conversation that I wanted to see be had for those like those events to whenever they're being created I think that kind of just set me off on like this is the part of voting rights that I want to do um, and the Civic Center was a really cool opportunity for that because my first job out of college it was doing youth voting rights work and, and kind of creating events and doing programming all centered around helping high schoolers navigate pre-registration laws and navigate high school voter registration laws in like 36 states. And that was Damn. the origin of what I wanted to do because I, I was affected by high school voter registration laws. And so it kind of felt like it was coming full circle with that, um, of, of being able to organize people to tell their peers about something that I, I, I personally experienced the lack of uh, without the organizing on my campus. So uh, yeah, that was those are some of the work, and I am really excited about working at Common Cause and, and kind of seeing how we can improve the fight for Texas democracy here. Right, and having Common Cause follow me back on Twitter, right? That's <laughs> that's that's my priority. Uh, sure, drop your handle. We'll, exactly. we'll do it. Democracy is I put that on the low. Okay, D digital organizing and democracy fights they go hand in hand. Exactly, I like the way you think. <laughs> um, so so no, that's that's fantastic. Actually, I think you've done an incredible amount of work, probably more than me. So you're welcome, I guess. Thank, well, thank you. you. Uh, whichever one of those you want. Uh, exactly. Uh, now let's talk about 2020, that last year. You know, I, I actually had a friend, I was at dinner the other day. I had a friend and, and uh, she was like, you know, uh, my best friend told me that uh, we're about to enter 2022, but I'm still processing 2020. Like it's so, so that's kind of what I want to bring, bring to the, to the table is what are your thoughts on 2020? We had a national election. We flipped a historically red state blue. You live in Texas. I mean, how, how was 2020 for you? Yeah, 2020 was exhausting. I think is the word I would use. It was 
not uh it was not an easy fight for us to do uh, to to be able to see those successes and it was also not a fight that would fit within the calendar year of 2020 like we um like the kind of modern fight for voting rights has been happening for decades and and, and also continues to happen past uh the Shelby County decision and, and since the 1965 uh, civil rights movement and so I think like the fight that we've kind of seen isn't a 2020 fight like it was a process of of bringing this issue into the national importance for people. And, and that was something that we, it took a lot of work to do. Um, and, and only because voting rights became more of a table conversation did I think we were able to see the successes that we saw both on a partisan side of, of being able to flip Georgia, but also on an, an educational uh, basis because uh, prior to 2020, voting rights was not a top 10 issue for young people or older, or older voters. Um, but now we're seeing it like not only a top 10 issue for people whenever they're going to the polls and seeing what platforms people have on voting rights, but it's something that people are being mobilized to continue to fight for after 2020 because uh, the fight isn't over. I think the cool thing about 2020 is that we did see a massive amount of increase in voters of people that haven't historically voted in elections before. Um, but we're also seeing a, a really terrifying response to 2020 of, of Republican or, or anti-voter state legislatures trying to restrict the right to vote in, in a lot of states that did see that increase, Texas right. being one of them. Including your state is what I was going to say next. Yeah, yeah, we, we are absolutely seeing that. Um, and so I think it was exhausting during 2020, right? Like we worked hundreds of hours leading up to it and, and, and for years prior to it, just trying to get to a place where we could have massive voter turnout and and to do that means having to overcome barriers to uh, voter participation and and a lot of those are systemic and, and can created to disenfranchise people and so that wasn't something we could do in like from January to November that was something that has taken years to do and and because we were able to get so many people to navigate the process that easily and and, and be able to make that massive turnout and historic turnout numbers um, now we're seeing uh, repercussions to it of, of states not wanting that to be a continued trend. And um, in, in Texas, we saw that with SB1 recently passed the massive anti-voter bill um, and redistricting uh, also continuing to happen and, and seeing the ways that they could uh, continue to disenfranchise those communities that turned out historically. So, um, yeah, 2020, exhausting, continue to be exhausting. Um, right. it, it's great. <laughs> yeah, definitely feels great sometimes. Uh, but I would just like to say there's also the, the women's reproductive health issue happening in, in, um, in Texas, right? Not just women. Yeah. Anybody that can have an abortion uh, right. is not right. facing the experience of not being able to have it safely or effectively. <laughs> exactly. And I think that ties in directly with voting because most people, when, when that came out, it was in newsflash, Supreme Court didn't do this and Texas abortion you know, bans abortions, most folks didn't realize the people who make these decisions are voted into office. You are casting a ballot, so they make that decision. Whether it's a decision you agree with is something you have to figure out and electing the right people. So when it comes to voting, I always, always emphasize is voting is great, but if you don't know what you're voting for, if you don't know the propositions, you don't know the candidates, and, and that doesn't mean do, you know, calculus type homework where you're researching and you're trying to figure out which formulas to use, but it does mean becoming an informed voter. And that's where I think platforms like Common Cause, Campus Vote Project, they're so instrumental because that knowledge is almost a prerequisite to vote. 
but that's just my take. I mean, I'm not president yet, so we'll make sure that happens a little later on. Um, now, I want to ask a simple question. Sure. Super simple. There should only really be one answer, but if you have another, I would love to hear it. Uh, is voting important? Yes. Good answer. See, we can move on. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> do, do, do elaborate on that if you'd like. Yeah, I mean, I think voting is obviously important. Um, I think sometimes groups do fall into a trap of saying voting is the only option for creating change. Mm. Um, and I don't think that is true. Um, voting is important. Like you mentioned, educated voting is even more important than just showing up to vote. Um, but also combating misinformation of, of uh, groups that are, are trying to disinform voters. I think that's that's important. Um, and to also encapsulate voting as a kind of the main mechanism or, or means of, of advocacy, I think mm. is, is dangerously discriminatory for young people that might not be able to pre-register yet, for people that not, aren't on the pathway to citizenship or are but aren't uh, eligible to vote. Um, there's a lot of kind of means of which I think centering voting is is maybe dangerous, but um, that isn't to say that voting isn't important, I, especially in Texas. Like I think we uh, get passed off a lot as being a, a red state uh, and, and or a non-voting state. Um, I don't think either of those things are true. Uh, I think Texas is a voter suppression state. Um, and in voting to vote for people that uh, believe in fundamental access to our democracy, I think is important. But um, there are so many other ways that we can, it can and need to be getting involved in advocacy um, to kind of continue to uh, to break down those barriers to uh, democratic participation. Um, so voting is important, but I, I, I worry that we center it too much. Yeah. yeah. On that note, voting is important. Yes, that's the right answer. You get a car. I don't actually have a car, but uh, <laughs> yeah, public transit, actually. Climate change, right? Something like yeah. that. Um, voting is not a silver bullet. You know, it's not the the one-all, be-all kind of, wow, you voted, you know, you, you, you just won something. No, it is actually the first step in many steps to save democracy. That's a theme of this of this episode. I don't know. I just like saying that save democracy. They should write a book and I should get royalties off of that. Um I think it is a book, but yes. It probably is a book. So yeah, they didn't call me for that. Uh, <laughs> for sure. I, I know, right? Uh but no, voting, voting is simply the first mechanism you can you can use. Um, and then it's what you do after. It's do you help your friend, like that volunteer who helped you vote? right? Do you encourage your family members to vote? Or do you get involved in a campaign, maybe an issue base, maybe a proposition in your state you really like, maybe it's not a candidate, or maybe it is, right? Or maybe it's the fact that your roads aren't being built and your school's under, you know, underfunded. That's, that has to be the, the, the call um, to action beyond just voting. Voting, I feel, should legally be required, but that seems a little authoritarian in a free democracy, something like that. Uh, but I think, you can always do things beyond just just the norm, um, and and excel, uh, and and on that note, excelling, Texas is doing crazy in restricting voting rights. They're really excelling there. Um, yeah. Uh, what what are your thoughts on this? What can we be doing? What do you do at Common Cause when you when you look at these things and you're an organizer? What are your thoughts and and how how should we be answering this this assault? Yeah. Um, 
Great question. Uh, definitely the fight for voting rights extends past uh, casting a ballot. And, and I think we're seeing that in, as a prime example in Texas, because uh, today, for instance, on and we're recording this on Indigenous Peoples Day, we had two hearings on redistricting uh, maps in Texas for the State Board of Education and uh, the Texas Senate. Um, both are gerrymandered uh, in a partisan and racial way to discriminate and disenfranchise communities of color um, and young voters. And uh, I think that's a prime example of one way that we're kind of seeing um, the need for advocacy outside of just advocacy in and around elections, because the fight for democracy, the fight for voting rights, the fight to save both of those things uh, does and will continue to extend past uh, the the your access to the ballot box. And, and redistricting is a perfect example of that. And um, obviously, Texas has found really fun and in, uh, like ingenious ways of restricting voters. Uh, the creativity of their voter suppression this time around has gone kind of unmatched. I think uh, Georgia also uh, might rival us for the kind of most creative ways for them to suppress votes. Um, but we are we are seeing that happening. But a kind of thing that makes me optimistic about it and, and, and as optimistic as we can get is that um, people were showing up for over 24 hours to stay at the Capitol to testify against these bad voter bills. Um, and that is something that I don't think we've seen ever in Texas and in these voter suppression states that have continuously gotten away with um, passing discriminatory anti-voter laws for decades now, especially since the Shelby County decision by the Supreme Court, um, they've they've been able to kind of uh, constantly erode at our access to a democracy. Um, but now we're seeing that the people are not only aware of this from happening, uh, but they're being organized and being mobilized to testify against it, to call their representatives, to engage in local governments, to um, work with their even county and city courts, to uh, be passing uh, resolutions condemning these attempts to uh, discriminate and disenfranchise voters. And so I think we're seeing a lot of awakenings among people that may have not paid attention to voter suppression before, though this is definitely not the first time Texas or, or any state has tried to, to pass these anti-voter bills. Um, and we're seeing a lot more mobilization around it. So for Common Cause, what we do is we have the legal team. We have a lot of wonky people on staff that kind of wonky. <laughs> I, I don't know if they like being self-called wonky, but I, I, I mean, they're, it's a wonky organization. We do, we do a lot of report creation. We help work on the litigation side. We sue Texas multiple times a year, it seems, um, over a lot of these problematic and, and discriminatory and, and unconstitutional laws, honestly. Um, but the other side of that is we try to kind of uh, contextualize that information into something that is accessible for people. So we we take it and then we do um, a kind of public education events or, or know your rights trainings and election protection and, and create uh, opportunities for people to, to get involved in, in the fight for secure and accessible elections. And, and in part of that is doing legislative advocacy, too. So we did an advocacy day training where we mobilized some of our 50,000 members to come to the Capitol during the many fights uh, and hearings on the anti-voter bill last special session um, and to know about the bill, to be able to speak about the bill, answer questions about the bill in ways that a lot of laymen don't have the capacity to do and don't spend their hours a day working outside of or outside of work thinking about voting rights. We help crystallize that information to a digestible way and then we train them to testify. And, and that's, uh, I think, a really cool 
opportunity that Common Cause brings to the table of, of kind of allowing for people to get engaged in other parts of democratic advocacy that aren't just voting for people that um, are pro-voter or pro-voting rights or pro-democracy, um, though we also do encourage that whenever it is time for elections. It's good to encourage that, I agree. Uh, no, that sounds like great stuff, honestly. I don't have any response to that. I mean, um, <laughs> you should you should hire me or sponsor me. That's a separate conversation. Sure, uh, yeah, exactly. we'll talk about that after. <laughs> exactly. uh, but, I kind of want to close with, with a question I asked all my guests. Um, and, and since you're my favorite guest, no, I'm just playing. We don't play nah. on this show. Um, nah. <laughs> to stay nonpartisan. No. <laughs> uh, what, what, would you, what is your advice? What is your recommendation to Gen Z? You're Gen Z, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're young. Yeah. You're like 16, sure. Not actually, but sure. 22, but yeah. yeah 22, <laughs> you don't look 22. Uh, Thank you. Uh, but what is your advice to us, I guess? Wait, so now you're just speaking to us. Uh, Gen Z, uh, I don't, it's a very ambiguous term, Gen Z. I don't know where they got Z. Don't know who is the Z. Anyway, there's a lot of questions I have about that. Uh, but how can we stay engaged? And not just us, but there are some folks that are ignorant, some folks that are alienated, exhausted, maybe like yourself five-ish years ago. When, when you were in an underserved community and you didn't even know that you had to be registered to vote. What is your advice to the, to the graduating class of voters who are gonna be making our decisions? Yeah, I think that there's kind of two parts of the advice. It's one it's, is that it's okay to be angry. Um, the system is, is constructed in a way and, and is continuing to be propped up in a way that does not want young people, people of color, low-income people to have a large sustained voice in, in deciding the policies that are, are elected inside of our democracy. And so I think, uh, it is okay to be angry. I think a lot of people like kind of patronize or demean teenagers, young people, Gen Z, whatever kind of title we want to encapsulate that. Right. Age. See, it's kind of confusing, right? Gen Z, what is... Anyway, yeah, uh, but I think, I think people like to kind of patronize young people and be like, "Oh, you should you should be more engaged, or you shouldn't be so angry, or why are you why are you protesting all the time?" And I think why are you protesting all the time? Yeah, I mean, I, I I do live in Texas, so maybe these are patronizing comments that young people hear hear more than across the country, but. I think it's kind of an experience the young people have where it's like, you should care more, but also like, why are you so angry all the time? And I think right. the way that we've grown up in, in kind of watching events of our lives, like we have seen natural disasters every year of our life. We have seen police brutality every year of our life. And, and we see these things and they become both normalized, but also kind of questionable about why we should be normalizing these, these things that should not be the case in, in what we get taught as the greatest country in the world. And so I think the first piece of advice is it's okay to be angry that that we shouldn't be okay with seeing a lot of these kind of uh in behaviors or in, in events of, of the world and of our country continue to play out um but also to to maybe like tap into that anger and, and use it in a productive way because i don't think that there is any space that young people a shouldn't be in and b shouldn't be leading um and and that includes the fight for voting rights it includes campaign organizing that includes um political strategy i mean anything young people should be leading it especially because we're experiencing the brunt of our decisions for decades to come and so 
Um, I would say if there's anything that people are angry about, like see who the decision makers are for that, see what organizing what groups are, are organizing around it or who is maybe advocating for those things, like do a little bit of research about it or go attend a protest and ask who is leading it and and maybe just continue to get involved in, in uh, seeing what rooms you can put yourself into. Because a lot of times I've noticed uh, the doors won't necessarily be open for young people sometimes you just have to keep knocking on them. Um, and, 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 and no matter what kind of issue a young person cares about, like if you just do the, a little bit of work or, or you see a way that you can maybe start getting involved in an issue, like do it and then, and then t like take it on yourself to lead. Um, and I think that's going to be the best way that we create change. And, and that's going to be the best way that we see change is, is more young people being leaders. Um, and, and for non-young people listening to this, I think the doors should be opened and spaces should be made at all of the tables for young people. Um, and that means putting young people on advisory boards, putting young people on board, uh, like board of directors, putting young people in organizing staff and in like leadership staff. And, and I think even just uplifting into any kind of position to be in those rooms, I, it will be really important because we will, we have not only pertinent insight to how we've experienced policy and organizing, but we'll have insight into how we need to see policy exist for longer than boomers will experience in, in their lives and their lived experience. So um, yeah, that's probably the, the two pieces of advice is it's okay to be angry and use that anger to just make room for yourself and, and keep pushing your way into doors. Mm, I like that, the doors. I can tell you as a fact, that was not respected at all when I came into this world. Now, I think Martin. I have some credibility you know, varies from person to person, it's still tough for me to get into some doors. And maybe that's, you know, maybe that's like the liquor store door, probably shouldn't be there. <laughs> but uh, the political doors, I mean, some of them are still closed. Everybody has heavy gatekeepers. And it's my job to uh, be petulant and annoy the shit out of them until somebody returns my goddamn email. And yes, yeah. I'm talking about the Attorney General of California, uh, <laughs> but he's not listening to this yet. Um, so, so no so thank you thank you for that uh is there anything you'd like to add maybe you want to plug your socials this is the time where you get to to tell us you know what your handles are i'll put everything in the description that you want but but <laughs> sure yeah i mean i i would say that texas is ground zero for the fight for voting rights right now especially as we are in our third special session as we're filming this and, and most likely we'll have a fourth uh by the, the beginning of next year um, so if you want to stay up to date about the fight for voting rights in Texas and get involved, uh, go follow Common Cause Texas on, on all social media platforms. We have uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at, I think, C Cause Texas or Common Cause Texas. Mm -hmm. We're on TikTok now, which is exciting. Um, That's not exciting. That's content. weird. We don't have much content. We will, uh, hopefully. Oh, you will. Okay. Totally <laughs> Common Cause nationally is also great. We have a Common Cause California. They do amazing work. Mm. Um, so would just highly encourage anybody getting involved in Common Cause if if they care about the fight for accessible and free democracy. Um, and then, yeah, if anybody wants to stay in touch, uh, you can have my email and put it wherever you need to. I am always happy to uh, bring young people into the fight for voting rights and open any door I can have and find. So, um, yeah, that's that's probably it. I don't know if I. Yeah, I think it's. <laughs> I think that's that's enough. Uh, so so no, thank you, thank you so much for coming on the show, bringing your perspective. Uh, it's very valuable, and and I hope you had a great time. Um, yeah. and, and you're always welcome back. 
Uh, anytime, maybe you're running for office. Who knows? Maybe. I don't, don't see that in my future, but. Don't see that in your future? Well, I see it in yours. So when that <laughs> happens, you can be back on the show. Um, <laughs> and do please do continue the, the good fight because you're doing amazing stuff. Likewise. Thank you so much for having this conversation and having all of these conversations. The bringing voting rights to young people. (laughs) We're just going to go back and forth about this. It's going to be good. I know. It's great. Uh, So, 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 no. Uh, Again, thank you. And and I do wish you the best of luck. Likewise. Thanks. (laughs)